Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, I'll be talking about miracles. And my uh, AA meeting I used to attend regularly, I can hardly say that word, but at the end of the meeting, there was a lady in the back and several years of sobriety. She would always say this, keep coming back until the miracle happens. Keep coming back until the miracle happens. So the question I have for you, what kind of miracle are you looking for? And that's a good question to ask. And I'll tell you why. Because there's all sorts of miracles. And oftentimes people are looking for the burning bush miracle. They, they do happen. But um, not as often as I, I think, um, as we might think they would. When we look at it, I'm going to bring up three, three scenarios in the Bible of healing. And one thing that I believe um, thoroughly is that why supernatural healings do take place, I do believe that. Like I say, I think they are few and far between apart, but they do exist. I, I feel that there's more miracles that come to fruition when people take the action necessary to create that miracle. So if, if, if you look in, in John, John 5 and 5 through 8 at, the, at the, uh, the sheep gate, the healing pool that was there, you know, it was, it was a Sabbath weekend or Sabbath day, and there was, there was lots and lots of people in, in the courtyard that day before the, for the Sabbath. There had been a man there that had sat there for 38 years. He sat at the top of the, of the steps of the healing pools and, you know, this one particular day, for 38 years he sat there, and he, and he couldn't walk, he had these infirmities, and, you know, for 38 years he just sat there. And, and I did a message on this, too, and I, and I just wonder if, if that man, why, why did he just sit there? Because I know one thing for a fact when it comes to my, my, my part is had I known that all I had to do was touch the water at the time that the angel touched it and rippled it, I'd have done anything I had to do to make sure I touched that water at that moment in time. I'd have camped out there. I'm sure in the 38 years that angel touched the water more than once. It sound like, it, you know, it, we can only perceive from what the scripture says it was pretty much done daily, I guess. <clears throat> so, why was he sitting there for 38 years? And when I look at my own story, I was out running and gunning for 38 years when I turned my back and got in the church. And, and I was very uncomfortable. And I'm sure this man with his infirmities was very uncomfortable. But during my 38 years, I learned how to navigate the uncomfortableness of my uncomfortableness. If that makes sense. I was comfortable there because I knew how to navigate in it. I knew how to manipulate people. 
but I come to a point to where I was no longer comfortable. It was no longer working. So I just wondered about this man. And, you know, there's, I'm sure there was a man sitting next to him. Cause there was a lot of men there with, uh, and a lot of people, men and women with these infirmities. Was he just comfortable there because he got a lot of attention from people walking by, collecting his alms all day? I'm sure at any point, if he really wanted to, he could have asked somebody to pick him up and set him down by the, by the water. But for 38 years, he sat there in the same spot until that day that Jesus came by. And, and, and it's funny because when Jesus, what Jesus did is he asked him one question once he had learned of his condition, his infirmity. He asked the man, do you want to get well? And right away, he said in verse, in, in verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred while I am trying to get in, someone always goes ahead of me. The first thing out of his mouth is not, yes, what do I got to do? The first thing out of his mouth is an excuse. So how many, how many of you out there are waiting for your miracle and it's there, but you're just making all these excuses to do the action to make it happen? Then Jesus said, said to him, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. So Jesus is sitting there, and like I said, why did he pick this man on this day? When there's probably other men in there, but he picked this one particular man, and he, and he told him, pick up your mat. He didn't just touch them. He didn't just reach down and heal him, and boom, it was over with and I know that supernatural healing has happened, but I think it's far less than what we believe it is. I believe more, more healing was taking place like with this man. Pick up your man and walk. And instantly he was healed. That's a miracle. Just a miracle that after 38 years, he was able to stand up and walk after sitting there for 38 years. He probably had no muscle tone in his legs, no muscle control or anything. And then if you look at the woman with blood and and um and Luke, right? The, the woman she 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 been bleeding for twelve years. She spent most of her time uh, living upon physicians, right? And then the, and nobody could heal her. She was constantly bleeding, right? constantly had this 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 menstrual uh, period. And then one day Jesus just happened to be walking through her village. Right. And I wonder how many other times she tried to get to Jesus when maybe he was walking through the village. Or maybe he never did. Maybe this was the only day. And, and, and what she did is she didn't sit there and say, oh, Jesus, please heal me. She didn't do that at all. She, she was on her hands and knees, crawling, beating herself through the crowd. And she came up behind who she believed was Jesus. She couldn't see because she was on the ground surrounded by all the people. And she just happened to grab Jesus' tassel. And, a, and talking to our, our Messianic rabbi that's very schooled in all this, the, all the tassels looked the same. But she just happened to blindly pick Jesus' tassel and rope. And he felt it. The, 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 the life was kind of taken out of him. He, you know, he says he, he, he felt something leave him, Right? And in doing that, he asked, who, you know, who touched me? And uh, she said, I did. And at that moment, she was healed. 
So again, again, it wasn't just sitting in a room praying that God would heal her. He, she was going to Jesus. Say, Jesus, please. She didn't even beg. She just touched him. And she was afraid to stand up because of her condition. And God saw her and said, because of your faith, be healed. Action. Okay. And then be, the last one I'm going to look at is, is uh, no, no, there's, more, there's two more. And now I'm going to tell you about mine. The last one is this. The faith of the centurion, right? So the centurion had a, a servant that was pretty much dying, paralyzed, suffering terribly, right? And so he, he walked to find Jesus. And he come across he come across Jesus, and Jesus asked him, you know, what's up? And he says, Hey, my servant is is, uh, is suffering badly. He's paralyzed, and he's really he's in a bad way. And Jesus says, um, He said, Come with me, and I'll take you to him. And and Jesus said, to The centurion, because of your faith, your servant is healed. So the centurion found Jesus. He had to walk to find Jesus. Right, these are big miracles. These are physical miracles on all three of them. And the last one is the man that was let down through the roof of a house when Jesus had returned to Capernaum, and nobody could get around the house. And these guys had this this this, this man that was was paralyzed, and he needed to be healed. So they went up on the roof and they put a hole through the roof, right? Action, and they let the man down. And at that point, Jesus went to him after um, being told, hey, there's too many people, you, you can't have this man in here. And they said, no, he, he needs to be healed, and only Jesus can do it. Jesus says, you're healed. This is the synopsis of the story. All right. So there's four stories right there, all in the New Testament, of how people were healed after taking action. And they're all, these are all big miracles, big physical uh, healings. There's times when Jesus would lay hands on people that were demon-possessed, and the demons would leave them, all right? Okay, action. The, 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 the guy stood there. Jesus took the action, put his hand on the man, and the man was healed, okay? Now, I, I really believe in action, um, especially... Because of the fact that I'm in recovery. And too many people, in my view, what I've seen, and both in the rooms of recovery and in church, in recovery, they might just stop drinking. And they're going to meetings. And that's all they're doing. They're going to meetings, not drinking, or using, or whatever. Or sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll not drink and smoke marijuana, thinking that's okay, and it's not okay. It's, it's, it's mind-altering substance. People go to church, accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, and, and that we all want to do. But then they keep going back to church every other every Sunday, every other Sunday, because they keep recommitting the same sins over and over and over and over again. They feel good when they go to the altar, and they and they and they walk home, and then within a week they're back in their old behavior. The same thing in the rooms of alcoholics. They feel good because they go to a meeting. I call it mowing the grass. They're just, all they're doing is simply sitting there and they're mowing the grass. They're being fed what they need to hear that day. And, and I blame a lot of the churches for this part of it, is that the, the, 
They're really good, and I'm not one particular. This is all churches. They're really good at saying what needs to be done, what you need to do if you want to change. But they don't tell you how to change, and they don't tell you where to go to to change. They, they, they just make it real simple, uh, Pollyanna type thing, where all you got to do is accept the Lord and Savior, and all your, all your, everything is going to change. And I understand it because we're trying to keep people in the church, and there's a long story behind that. But they're just mowing the grass. Until we get out the tools, and when I say recovery, I'm talking recovery from anything. It doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be gambling, <clears throat> gambling pornography, uh, sexual addiction, codependency, overeating, <coughs> overworking. <clears throat> Sorry about that. It could be any of those addictions. There's work to be done. There's a thing called 12 steps. And they're not just for alcoholics. And we got to take the action. When it says the renewing of your mind, do not conform to the ways of the world, but be, be um, restored to the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say through the renew, renewed mind. It says through the renewing of your mind. Action. Your mind just won't be renewed. You need to, to, to deprogram the beliefs you've been believing all your life. The negative thoughts, right? The ways of the world need to be deprogrammed. Uh, you have to renew your mind. You have to get a mentor. You have to get a coach. You have to get a sponsor. You have to get a You have to get somebody that's going to walk with you to take the action. Okay? So, and I've seen it time and time again. Those that take the action. And it's not easy. It's hard. But those that take that action are the ones that usually, in my, what I've seen, have the long-term recovery. And I'm not just talking sobriety. Too many people get sober, but the rest of their life goes to crap. Nothing changes. The wife gets upset. They still have legal issues. They got attitude problems. They're still angry at the world. But at least I quit drinking. Or quit using or quit doing this. Well, I want you, please, I want you to hear this very loud and clear when it comes to this. All right. All those things, drinking, drugging, pornography, gambling, overeating, overworking, like workaholism, those are all just symptoms of much deeper underlying issues. Right? And that's what recovery does. Recovery gets us to find the person that God created us to be. It gets us to peel back all the, the, the onions of all the stuff that we're covering up. And it's hard work because we have to look at things that we've, that we've been put away, been putting away for years. Or suppress them. We didn't even know it was there. And then we take away by miracle, this is a miracle in its, of itself where we're not drinking or using, right? Um, that number, that's number one miracle right there. Then when we do that, all it's doing is, is, is leaving us exposed to the realities of life without no, uh, no, no mind-altering substance to put a band-aid or or to, to or to suppress the feeling so to speak okay so miracles most often in my view and the people I've talked to my pastor and 
And everybody, they got different views, but this is what I see, and this is this has been my experience. Our result, in many cases, only when action takes place. But we'll talk about something right now that I I don't talk openly about very much because it's one of those things that you either believe me or you don't. And um, so I'm real careful about talking about it. But as I was writing a blog this week and and doing some praying and doing some reading, it, it all came back to me. It all came, not it didn't come back to me. This part that I'm going to talk about was revealed. So in 1972, I was 15 years old, and I wanted a motorcycle, a dirt bike, because all my friends had them. And so I, my, my, my step-parents, I mean, my stepfather, my mother, they, they bought me a Kawasaki 250 Green Streak. And I was, I was all of 140 pounds soaking wet, right? So the first day on it, I can remember the day clearly. It was beautiful down in Samuel Capistrano. I was riding at Escape Country in El Toro. The gra- the hills were, were just vividly green, right? Beautiful, beautiful um, day. And I took off on this motorcycle. Like I said, it was way too big for the kid I was. Had a helmet on, thank God. And um, I, hit a, I hit a ditch, and there was a chain laying on the ground. I, saw, I remember seeing the chain. And this ditch was where the rain we had that week washed out this one area. And there was no warning of the sun. There was no warning, no nothing. And I hit the ditch probably doing close to 60 miles an hour. As I'm laying on the ground, I'm excruciating pain. I stand up trying to, it felt like a cramp on my side. I stood up trying to catch, to break this, pop this cramp that I thought I had. I mean, I was excruciating pain. Some guy walked by and says, hey, you all right? And I said some perverse words to him, and down I went. I was out cold. Next thing I remember is I'm surrounded. All the pain is gone. No pain whatsoever. It's all gone. I'm surrounded by this white, bright white light. I mean, I couldn't even look into it. It was that bright of of, of a light. And peace and, and serenity beyond comprehension. I mean, it was definitely... Definitely right on the on the verges of heaven. I never saw God, but the light was there. Then I can remember laying there, and all of a sudden the pain started creeping back in. And God whispered in my ear, it's soft voice, and he said to me very quietly, he says, Randy, you're dying right now. You need to fight for your life. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be by your side. I'm not gonna leave you. You need to fight for your life, and you need to keep fighting for for your life. Don't ever quit fighting for your life. And those were his words, right? And as I was writing this the other day, or or my a blog the other day, and I was reading and doing some meditation and stuff, it, it hit me that on that day, what God was asking me to do, He was, I'm going to be with you. You're dying right now, and all I'm asking you to do is just keep fighting. And I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be there for you. See, on that day, I could have chose to die. But God said, it wasn't your time. I need you to fight, Randy. If I wouldn't have fought, and we don't know factually. I'm just going to say that. And, and that's the truth of the matter. But I, my belief is, is that he called me. It was a call to action on my part. 
right? And it wasn't only for that day that I had to fight. And I did fight. And when they got me to the hospital and ICU, 1972, they had absolutely no, didn't have any of these MRIs or anything. They put a rubber band around my waist. They could get their fist between my tummy and the rubber band. Within one minute, they couldn't get their pinky in that, in that same spot. I was bleeding internally. So for eight hours, I laid in the hospital with no pain pills. They couldn't give them to me. No pain medicine, no nothing. I can remember waking up and, the, and the, asking the nurse, and she said, I'm sorry, honey, we can't give them to you. And I passed out. Well, that night, about or that evening, what I was told, around 4 o'clock, they wheeled me into surgery. Before doing so, they called the pastor, my mother, my stepfather over and said, you need to tell him goodbye because he's likely not going to make it out of surgery. We had a kid in here yesterday with the same situation, and he's no longer with us. Well, here I am. And the doctors even said, by all rights, Randy should be dead. By all rights. He, he pretty much, they put uh, replaced my blood two or three times that day, during the day. My right kidney had been smashed like an egg, and none of my other internal injuries internal organs were touched. And the doctor said themselves, it was a miracle that only God could perform. But that fighting was action on my part back then. And a matter of fact, when I turned 18 or when I walked away from the church, I started telling everybody God had nothing to do with it. You know, I fought my own battle, blah, 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 blah. And then only as I got in the recovery and started really seeing life how it was, I realized that God had everything to do with it. That God was there for me. And he wanted me not only to fight that day, but he knew what was ahead of me. He knew the amount of abuse I was going to continue to get. Probably, you know, I'd already gotten three years of it. And there's still two to three more years ahead of me of abuse. He just wanted me to continue to fight for my life in those situations. And there's times I probably should have been killed the way my stepfather was beating me. But I fought. And then about... Six months ago, I was doing some work in here, and I walked out back to get some fresh air. And I was walking in, I was talking to God. As, as I walked in, he says, Randy, he says, you've been obedient to me. You listened to me when I asked you to, to fight and not to quit fighting when you were on that day in the motorcycle accident. He says, I'm telling you now, I'm asking you now, it's time to quit fighting. You need to let me fight your battles for you from now on. Let me fight them. You just walk in my shadows. And I'll make sure everything's okay. And I got to tell you, that was a great, it was great to hear, but it's one of the hardest things, and I'm still challenged with it, because I have fought literally all my, from that day, the age of 15, I'm 64, this happened last year, so 60, I have fought all my life to survive. And now I'm, I've got to give everything to God. It's funny, my wife said about four years ago, when our pastor said that he wants to see me as a pastor, my wife told me, Randy, you're going to have to rely on God more than anybody at this time. More than anybody. So, you know... It's, um, that's a miracle, but it took action on my part. Now, back to the opening question, and I really want you guys to think about this. 
Keep coming back until the miracle happens. What kind of miracle are you looking for? Because the reality is, if you really open your eyes and your heart and your mind to it, there's miracles that happen every single day in our life. But if all you're looking for is that burning bush miracle, the one like me, the one like um, the, 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 um, the, the man with the ferment for 38 years, the, the woman with blood, okay? I mean, raising Lazarus from the dead. If those are the kind of miracles you're looking for in your life. I think you might be disappointed. I said, I think. Here's some miracles that I believe, no, I don't believe, I know happen every day, right? One, we wake up every morning. There's times I didn't want to wake up, but I woke up, right? The air that I breathe. My mentor said the air that we breathe should be, should be called, called God itself. Because at any second, we can stop breathing. The heart that beats, right? If you didn't drink today, that's a miracle. If you didn't use today, that's a miracle. If you didn't watch porn today, that's a miracle. Yeah, but it's only one day, Randy. I don't care. It's a miracle if it was only one day. And you can make it two days. Because all we have to worry about is today because today is all that we are promised. We're not promised tomorrow. Our ticket could come, my ticket could come up in a minute. I don't know. A baby being born is a miracle. I mean, that that's a miracle of miracles. The, 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 the conception of a baby is a miracle. Our bodies are miracles. If you really think about it, our bodies are, are miracles. I mean, we walk around like, it's no big deal because we got this body and we're just living every day. We don't think about the miracle of how our body, how complex our body is, how complex our brain is. The sun rising every day is a miracle. If you like sun, and the sunset every day is a miracle. You want to see real, real miracles and the real work of God, watch sunrises and sunsets. There will never be two the same. Never. The colors are always different. That's a miracle. There's miracles that happen around us every single day of our life. All we have to do is look for them. Do you suffer with anger issues, rage? If you didn't rage today, that's a miracle. Some people have got some, 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 some uh, habits they've been doing all their life. If they're breaking those habits one day at a time, that's a miracle. So let's look for the small miracles in our life. They'll add up to huge miracles. So what is it you're looking for in a miracle? Keep coming back. Keep looking forward until the miracle happens. When you wake up in the morning, whether you like it or not, the first miracle of the day has happened. And when you take your breath that night, think about this. You completely shut down at nighttime. You go to sleep. Your body is done. That's a miracle. How many more miracles do you need in a day? I think what happens is we walk around so complacent about all these little miracles that happen every day. We just take advantage of them. We take advantage of the fact that we live in a country, <coughs> excuse me, we live in a country, right, where we have 
Most of us have good food on the table. We get good drinking water. We have nice clothes. We have a roof over our head. That's a miracle. You could have been born in a third world country where they have none of that stuff. It's not their choice. That's where they were born. Miracles happen every single day. You know, the miracle happened to me in 2012, August of 2012. That's another miracle. When I, when I, after walking away from God in the church, I come home from, 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 from work one day, and, or my wife came home from work one day, and I'm sitting at the table, and I go, let's go to church tonight. She about fell over backwards. It was a miracle that I returned to church, because I was never going to return to church. Alcoholics Anonymous brought me back in that relationship with God that I never thought I could have. Which eventually, and it tells you in the big book, that eventually you'll go back to the religion of your childhood. And that's exactly what I did. It was a miracle. It was a miracle that I stayed there for so long. I'm so, I got this discernment that God gave me. And I'm, I got such a critical eye of the church because of what happened to me in a kid. I, could, I just, I pick it apart. But God put me in the right church because there's people there that I could talk to that would, that would talk me, I could talk through the situation. And I wouldn't leave. That's a miracle that I haven't left the church. And then two years ago, three years ago, ordained as a pastor. That's a miracle. I wrote a book that's a bestseller. That's a miracle. These are all miracles. It doesn't have to be the burning bush. So give yourself a break. Right? Give yourself a break. Start looking within for the miracle. And stop looking without. I know it's a, I know it's a, a tough subject and I know it's hard. There's a lot of a lot of stuff out there that people don't disagree with, that people disagree with. And that's okay. I'm one that will be okay to, to agree to disagree. I don't have a problem with that. If that's what people choose to do, then that's fine. That's your opinion. I got my opinion. And there's no reason for us to argue over it. It just is what it is. And believe me, there's a lot of people in my life right now, we have different opinions, and that's okay. It was a tough lesson for me to learn. And that is right there. That's another miracle because when people used to, to differ from my opinion, I'm, I would either, I, I'd be crushed. So, what kind of miracle are you looking for? Look around you every day. You know, there's babies born every day. That's a miracle. You know, sit and watch a hummingbird. 1,200, heart, 1200 heartbeats a minute. That's, that's amazing. And they can sit there... They can go from, I don't know, from fast to zero in no time flat. I, I got them in my backyard. I love to watch them. So remember that God loves you no matter what. And, and, and there's nothing. This could be the biggest miracle of all right here. There's nothing that you have done or that you can do that will make God love you less. There's nothing that you can do or have done that God will not forgive you for. It doesn't matter what you've done. God says, ask for, if you ask God for forgiveness, 
He'll forgive you as far as the east is from the west and the north is from the south. It's done. It's finished. Nobody's done anything so bad that he's not going to forgive us. Now, the consequences, thats I can't answer for that one. But he will forgive you. I know if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm one that talked bad about God in the church. So, that's a little bit about miracles. I'm sure there's a lot more out there you can find and a lot of different kind of miracles. And so we just got to be grateful for our life on a daily basis. And I would say even be grateful for the bad things that might happen because as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing that can happen to us that shouldn't be a lesson in our life. What can we learn from those things, both good and bad? I think it's very critical that we look at life that way. So you can get my book, uh, Healing the Wounded Child Within, on Amazon and paperback, Kindle, and Audible. You can get my uh, seven-day challenge, which is a little workbook accompanying that book. Uh, that's on Amazon, just in paperback. And my 30-day devotion of the wholeness is available on Amazon as well, in Kindle and paperback. If you want to know about my coaching and mentoring services, you can check out changeyourlifestorynow.com. And if you want to know about the Courageous Healers Foundation, where we help men and families heal from the scars of sexual abuse, and we also work with women, um, and we work with couples as well. Um, the, the, the abuse of any kind really takes a toll on marriages. So my wife and I were marriage counselors. We're Simba certified, which is a phenomenal assessment. It's really fun to do. So check that. Check us out on CourageousHealers.org or ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com. On either one, you can fill out the contact form uh, and then shoot it over to me, and I will get back to you as soon as I can, within the day, usually if not the hour, um, to find out what we can do for you and help you help you along, help you receive, re, help you retrieve recovery. Yeah, not retrieve, but help you uh, achieve recovery. Sorry about that. Achieve recovery and have the life of your dreams you thought you never could have. Remember, nobody tells you they love you today. Randy does, but more importantly, God does. Be blessed, everybody. See you on the next episode. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>